this, this Sunday, this celebration has been a long time in the making. A lot of you know that our baptism celebrations, uh, they are always like clockwork. They are always the first Sunday of May. And so this was planned for the first Sunday of May, and we had all the pieces in place and all the burgers ready to be cooked and all that kind of stuff. And, and then it rained. We'd had 18 prior years. We'd only had one rain out. But that rain out, it was no problem. We just scheduled the next Sunday, and we did it, and we were done. So it was no problem for the rain out. So we scheduled the next Sunday, and it rains again. But I thought, no problem. I read somewhere, the third time's the charm. But apparently, I wasn't reading the Bible when I read that, because <laughs> the third time, it rained again. And so our staff was gathering after the third rain out, and we were having discussion, and I said, surely the fourth time, it won't rain. And we said, surely it won't rain. And, and a couple wiser than me folks there said, well, maybe we should do it indoors. And I said, well, that'd be great, but how do you do that? And fortunately, there are a bunch of smarter people than me and a ton of folks. They have, they have set this up and made it. Now, this is what I really think. I think it was God's design to shift it in here on this day. I really think it was. There, there are several people since the first Sunday of May that have abandoned their life to Jesus. I know one, at least, as recently as 14 days ago, and so there are more people to be baptized. But I think the experience we're going to have is going to be unique to any other experience we've had. If this is your first one, we've always done these outdoors, city pools, city parks, big gathering. This is our first one here. I think God has some special plans. And, and I know this. I know um, I, all, all of the eyes of heaven are watching and will watch this baptism and every heart in heaven will be beating with joy about this and so i found myself wondering what what could i possibly say that the spirit would take that would help every heartbeat here since uh the magnitude and the beauty and the power and this is what i've settled on uh, i want to give you um a very condensed snapshot of what the Bible says. I want to take the 66 books, I want to boil them down. And so we're not going to be here a long time. This is really a snapshot. And I, I want to use a diagram that's often caused, called the bridge diagram. And I'm even going to actually draw the diagram out for you. I hesitated to do it because of my artistic prowess. I, I thought that as this work of art unfolds, you might be so fascinated with the work of art and the classic that you might lose sight of the intent. And so I'm going to take that risk. Okay, no matter how impressed you are with this page, this blank page is going to unfold. Stay focused on the intent. Of these, of these hundred people that are going to be baptized, this is what Scripture says. It says that each one, each person, each one, God created them. The God of the universe created each one of them. And it says that before he actually launched the universe, in other words, from eternity past, he loved them. So when you see a person baptized in a pool, look at their face. Maybe you know their name. The God of the universe loved them before, before time even began with this deep, passionate love, this uh, immeasurable love for them. And the, the one thing, the only thing he's ever wanted with them and for them and of them is just relationship with him. This deep, deep, profound love. And, and let your mind wrap around that. The God of the universe that's made everything, his deep desire for each one of these hundred is that they would have this close relationship with him. And it, by the way, 
maybe you know it's maybe you know this. It's not just a hundred. For you, for you. Before time began, the God of the universe already knew He would make you. He knew what your name would be. He knew what your, how your life would unfold. This deep, infinite love for you, and the only thing He wants for you and for me. The only thing he's ever wanted for us, of us, and from us is just this relationship with the God of the universe. But for the hundred that are going to be baptized, uh, that good news is followed by, for them, some devastating news. It says in Isaiah 59.2, it says, your sin separates you from God. Your sin causes this separation between you and God. And every one of those hundred they, they readily acknowledge that they have sinned. And, and not once, not twice, many times. They readily acknowledge that. They understand that. And, and they understand that what sin has done is caused this chasm between them and God. This deep chasm. The relationship doesn't exist. And they've come to realize that what this chasm results in is death. And yes, there's a physical death, but even more than that, that this chasm the path they were headed, this, path, this chasm would go on into eternity, this godless eternity. And it's not just, it's not just them. I, some of you will know some of them, and you'll see them baptized, and I bet some of them you'll think, that's one of the finest people I've ever known. I've known them a long, long, long time. Great, so much better than I am. I'm going to see a bunch of them. I'm going to look at I'm going to know they're so much better than I am. And yet they know this is the outcome of the sin. And it's not just for them, but... But I have sinned not once, not twice, and you've sinned. And, and, and it, Billy Graham, I think of the icons of, of goodness and righteousness in my mind. Think of the icons in your mind. For me, it's Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. And both Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, they realize that this same truth applied to them as well. As good as each of them was or is, one still living, as good as they were with their life, they realize it's, it's true for you and me as well. And so I don't know the hundred, all of them personally, but I suspect this is true of all of them because it's, it is of most of us, is when they first began to realize this, then they thought, well, the answer must be, I, I'll try harder. I'll just try to, to bridge the gap. I'll just be a better person. I will change my behavior. And what Scripture says about that is in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, all of our good deeds are like filthy rags. And the outcome is we wither like leaves and we're blown away by our sin. And, and so they had some season of time, and I did, and maybe you did, or you still have some season of time, and you're thinking, well, I, I realize there's a problem. I realize there is a God. He's a good God. I realize that the life I've lived keeps me from him. I'll just try harder. i just do a whole lot better. And these 100 came to a point of realizing this is the outcome, is it every good deed falls short, every single good deed. And there's nothing they realized, nothing they could do. But then they realized that the, the biggest event of this baptism actually occurred 2,000 years ago. Jesus came to this planet, all of you know that, taught as none other has ever taught, did miracles as no one has ever done. But he came, he came primarily for this one single reason. There was a Friday in history that the perfect, sinless Son of God who had come from heaven would allow evil men and women to nail him to a cross. And I read the Scriptures, and I see how much he 
he abhorred the thought of that day coming. And for a long time, I thought, I understand, I would too, I, nails driven through my hands and feet. And then I began to realize that wasn't why he abhorred it at all. I began to realize, and let me say this the best way I can, please try to grasp this. What he did that day was, he took into himself every sinful, evil act ever done. Every single sinful, evil act ever committed. He took into himself, and he took ownership of it. He took the guilt into himself, all of it. Think of the horror, the sins of humanity upon himself. And then then he allowed God's um, hatred of evil then to be poured out upon him rather than us. And he died our death on that cross. That day, he was building the bridge, the only bridge that would exist between humankind and God the Father, the only bridge that would ever exist. And and by paying the penalty of all sin, he was saying, I'm taking taking the death for everybody. I'm building a bridge so people have a chance to have this relationship with God now and forever. Now and forever. But this is, this is so, I, as the years go by, I appreciate this about God more and more. God, God never forces someone into relationship with him. God wants a love relationship, not a forced relationship. And so the fact that Jesus has built this bridge 2,000 years ago doesn't mean that we cross the bridge. It just means there's a bridge to cross. And Scripture is so clear about it. There's this, there's this one simple, profound way to cross the bridge, and, and these 100 they, they have learned it, and they've actually crossed the bridge this way. When you read Scripture, which was, by the way, New Testament was written in the Greek language originally, so we've translated it to English, and in English you read Scripture, and it talks about having faith in Jesus, or trusting Jesus, or believing in Jesus. They all, all those words come from the same Greek word, and, and biblical faith, or trust, or belief, it always means two very profound things. It means that someone would say to Jesus, would you, would you forgive me? Would you forgive my sins? You've paid the price I I want, I need, I'm asking for. I trust you will forgive all my sins. And will you lead me? Will you take leadership of my life? And the key of that is, apart from giving Jesus leadership, which if you give it to him, he will take, you and I have no capacity to ever become anything less than sinners. There's no capacity. That's why we, we can't get to heaven, because God won't ruin heaven with a sinner you causing all kinds of damage in heaven, but asking Jesus to not only forgive, but to lead, then we've said to Jesus, remake me, remold me, and he actually, for these hundred, and the day that they said, would you forgive me and lead me, he began to give them a new life, he began to change their life, and, and it's a gradual process, and, and they know they're not perfect yet, but they know he's changing them to be more and more like he is, and they understand the day they breathe their last, he's promised, I will, I will make them exactly like I am, he says. And they'll step into heaven with this capacity for nothing but good as God has always had. There's this, there's this crossing of the bridge to ask for forgiveness and ask for leadership. It's the only way any of us ever cross the bridge. And so for the hundred, nearly all of them, it's been in the last year for most of them, there was a day. There was this profound day. And they said this simple, authentic prayer. Jesus, would you forgive me all my sins? 
And would you lead my life? And in that moment, they know, they understand, they, they crossed the bridge. And in that moment, this relationship with God, the God of the universe, actually began. And they know it will never end. They know that. They know that. And so what you and I are here for is to celebrate what God has done in their life. And there's some of you in this room that will actually celebrate at a deeper and higher level than the rest of the crowd. And, and it's because some of you in this room were actually used by Jesus to draw these people to him. Uh, when, when each one of these were born, with every sunrise since their birth, Jesus' heartbeat was for them to come to find him and know him and have a relationship with every single sunrise. Even the days like today when we don't see the sunrise because of the clouds, the sun has risen, I promise you that. Every single day, the heartbeat of Jesus was that, that these, each of these would come to know him, as it is for every person as well. And some of you were the ones he used. I, and I don't know if you all thought in these terms, but around FCC, we talk about followers of Jesus having the top three. And by that, we simply mean that there would be three people in your life that don't yet know him that haven't found him as you have, and, and God might use you. You would hope he would use you to help draw them simply to know the one you've come to know. And maybe you haven't thought in those terms, but you've actually lived that way. And we talk about top three, and we talk about what, a top, what you do for a top three is you, you pray for them. You pray, and some of you have prayed dozens of prayers and hundreds of prayers and thousands of prayers for someone that's going to be baptized. You, along with Jesus, with every sunrise, you prayed for them. And, and you're going to see the results of those prayers today. And we talk about with top three, we talk about investing in the friendship and the relationship. And, and you've invested, you, you have made effort to love them more and more deeply and to know them for who they are. You've invested in their lives. They're about to be baptized now. We talk about part of being top three is to invite them into the 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 bigger group of believers into the church, and many of you have done that, of those about to be baptized. You've invited them to worship services and to small group and to Catalyst Weekends, or if you're a student, to D-Now and on and on and on. You've done that. You've done that. And then we talk about a top three. It means you tell, you tell someone about how you came to know Jesus and how he's changed your life, and many of you have done that. And, and it means telling how they can come to know Jesus as well, and actually, some of you have actually drawn and given them the bridge diagram I've actually given you today. You've actually done that. And, and for some of you in this room, when that person gets in that pool, and the gravity of their, their life changing, their eternal address changing, the significance of it will hit you at a whole different level because God used you. You were part of that. You were part of that. There's some symbolism in, bab in baptism that it will help all of us to be aware of that God spells out in Scripture. When someone is in the water and lowered under the water, there's this, we understand that water is key for dirt and filth being washed away, don't we? And God makes that analogy, and in the water analogy of, of the analogy is that the person being baptized, not at the baptism event, but the event of faith that began when they began to trust Jesus to forgive and lead, that in that moment, every single sin was washed away. And God says, you're perfect and pure, and every 
future sin. I'm pre-washing that away. And so there's this symbolism when you see someone lowered in the water of God and, and be aware of God saying, I have forgiven all of their sins. And then there's this other symbolism as well that God speaks of in Scripture is that when someone's baptized, they are lowered under the water and God says it's as though there is this burial of the person when they're dropped beneath the water. Because he says reality is that, that the moment someone begins this life of faith, of trust, in that moment, the old life is dead and gone. And God says, I have raised them to a brand new life. A brand new life, which is signified by raising them up out of the water again. And so be aware of that symbolism as well as baptisms unfold. In just a few short minutes, baptisms will begin. This is how, this is how they will unfold for us. You'll see a, a short video that's done with Steve Cordish. Steve has, in this past year, uh, came to a day this past year where he asked Jesus to forgive his sins and lead his life. And he's going to tell his story about that. And when Steve's story is done, then Steve and his wife, Selena, who also this year uh, gave her life to Jesus for forgiveness and leadership, they'll be in one of our baptismal pools, and they'll be baptized first. And then after they're baptized, then we will begin with music, we'll begin to worship God. And, and as we begin worshiping, then baptisms will begin, and the worship will go on as baptism after baptism after baptism happens. Now, when we begin worshiping, uh, I would encourage you to stand as we begin doing that. But we recognize that this will be a little longer worship time than we're used to. So at some point, about the halfway point, Mark will invite you to be seated just to rest your feet and legs if you're the age of some of us. And we're aware people want to, to be able to see what happens. And so we'll ask everyone just to be seated for this interlude in the middle. And then at some point, he'll ask you to stand again and to worship throughout these baptisms. And when baptism is done, then I'll, I'll make a few key comments to us. And then, then the celebration will continue as we head outside out these doors here. So, so let me pray a prayer about this, and then uh, this will begin to unfold. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for such a love for us, every one of us in this room. Immeasurable love. Uh, thank you for making the way when none of us could make our own way to you across the chasm caused by our sin. You made a way. And you paid such a price. Romans 5.8, you said that you showed it how much you love us by sending Jesus while we were still sinners. And thank you for that way. And thank you for the hundred lives today that we'll get to see that uh, this is just the outward sign of what's already happened. Thank you we get to celebrate that, celebrate them, above all, celebrate you. And then, Father, thank you that, that as we watch this, that you can impact our lives with where we are by what we're seeing and experiencing. And we'll have the chance to respond to you from our vantage point. And maybe it's a vantage point of, of knowing Jesus and you, a vantage point of, of being overwhelmed once again with wonder and awe and worship and abandon. Or maybe for many, it'll be a vantage point of, I, I think I see this as I've never seen it. And I know where I am on that diagram. I know I've not, I've not crossed that bridge. And now I know how to. And now I know what I would find if I would do it. So, Father, uh, may you be honored in this. And may we be stirred and moved and changed by it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Prior to October 1, I worked for a real estate firm downtown. That's where I spent most of my time, time away from my family, consistently working, trying to be just like everybody else I wanted to be like. I was told by the CEO of the company, do you still work here? It was at that moment that I really realized that there was there, there had to be something more. In March, I got a phone call. It wasn't a very good phone call. It was a friend of mine uh, and mentor who took his own life. Um, and he was a guy that I wanted to be like. I wanted to, I mean, he, he had everything in my opinion. You know, I, I started really searching and trying to figure out what I was really doing in life and was expected of me as far as, you know, moving forward in life in general. I, I texted a friend of mine, Brad Betcher, who more than willing to, to meet me. Brad talked to me. Uh, about what the meaning behind going to a church and having community was. I pushed back really hard because I'm one of those people that say, you know, oh, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I can follow Jesus from my house. I can believe in Jesus uh, anywhere. I started to have conversations with my wife after I had that meeting with Brad. Literally, my, my family was falling apart. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I decided that I would pull off and have a conversation with God. And I asked him to take over. Uh, I told him, I, I can't do this anymore on my own. I didn't want to be in control anymore. I wanted him to, to be in control of my life. I started my journey, my walk. My family and I went to church that Sunday for the first time in years. I called Brad Betcher and I said, you know, Brad, what made you reach out to me about uh, my faith? And he told me at that point that I had been one of his top three. I asked him, you know, when did you start praying for me? And it was around March. And um, God works in uh, the most amazing ways because that's exactly when I started searching for him. God was in control the whole time. I mean, he put everybody in place. Here I am, you know, I'm going to church. We joined a small group. I'm following Jesus as, as best I can every day, which is which is very hard, but but so amazing at the same time. My life is full of joy. Since then, my wife also has given herself uh, to Christ and, and, and following Jesus Christ. And my wife and I decided to get baptized together, and that is the next step in our journey.